0: Music and singing. Seems like you can't really have a church service without it, right? Music is powerful. We're going to learn today about this artistic expression in historic and modern Christian worship. How it carries words that praise God. How it's multidimensional in worship and it allows believers to express their emotions. We're in our series called The Gift Giver and His Gathered Guests. Let's listen out to part one of Proclaiming the Gospel Through Music. Here's John.
1: Have you noticed so far what has been clearly absent in the discussion of worship so far? Music and singing. Music and singing. So today we're going to take a look at the eighth element of liturgy, namely music and singing. But before we look at the role of music and singing in the church's worship, I want to just clear up one common misconception. There are a lot of them, but we're just going to look at one this morning. But here it is. The worship of the church involves more than music and singing. Uh, There's been a reason up to this point I haven't discussed music and singing, because I wanted you to understand that worship does not begin and does not consist of just music and singing. It's become very commonplace for believers to speak of the music portion of a Sunday morning service as, quote, the worship. Um, people will often ask, so how was the worship today? Which means, let me translate, how was the music today, right? Or you hear somebody, they might ask this, um, wow, the worship today was awesome. You ever heard that one? The worship today was awesome, meaning the music was really good. Worship certainly includes music and singing, but it is a mistake to reduce worship to just music and singing. It's a big mistake. The public worship of the church, as you have been taught now for the past couple months, the public worship of the church also consists of the invocation, reading of the law, confession of sin, absolution, the public reading of Scripture, the teaching and preaching of God's Word, the proper observance of the sacraments, the giving of offerings and the lifting up of prayers, listening, hearing, sitting, kneeling, standing, right? All of these things constitute worship. And, of course, Romans 12, 1, uh, Ephesians 5, 2, worship must extend to the whole of the Christian life. Your vocation, loving and serving your neighbor and your various vocations and callings, you are worshiping God through that. So what we have to understand is that all of these together with music and singing constitute important elements in corporate worship. So here's an example. Um, Isn't it telling that um, I've personally never heard anyone respond to the question, how was worship today? And they answer like this, oh, wow, the invocation was awesome. (laughs) Um, Or Man, the reading of the law and the confession of my sin, being asked to kneel, man, it was powerful. Or um, man, the public reading of Scripture, it was off the charts today. It It just moved me. We don't talk like that. We should. So while worship is more than singing, it is not less because we don't want to overreact and go to the opposite extreme. Um, I like this saying here. It is said that Martin Luther recovered congregational singing in the Reformation, while Calvin restricted it, and Zwingli denied it. The Swiss reformer, Ulrich Zwingli, he was a professional musician, a very accomplished professional musician, But he was so fearful of the emotional manipulation of music, he forbid the use of all musical instruments in the Swiss Reformed Church during the Reformation. So we don't want to go to the opposite extreme. And we love John Calvin, but you know, I just don't think Calvin got it quite right here. Um, I'm I'm siding with Luther here. (laughs) Luther, I think, got it right. He unleashed the congregation to sing. Music and singing are important elements in the church's worship. So the Bible is full of references to music and exhortations to sing. I just give you an example. There are more than six hundred references to music in the Bible. Music and singing are not an option for public corporate worship of the church. It is a command by God. We heard it last week in Psalm one hundred. Listen, come into His presence with singing. Not come into his presence by singing. We come into God's presence safely and confidently by Christ alone. But we come into God's presence by Christ with singing. You see, And so in Psalm 100, the psalmist tells us that God himself, listen, wants to be served with gladness and with singing. The Lord causes people to give him praise with musical instruments all over the psalms. And so the Bible says forth a very high view of the role of music in the church's worship and the church's witness and believers should as well. So, uh, with that in mind, what, why then does the church gather to sing? Why do we sing? What is the role of music and singing in the church's liturgy, in the worship? So, this morning, I want to give you six functions or six roles that music singing Plays in the church's worship. So, what I'm going to do from this point forward, I'm just going to use the word music so I don't have to keep saying over and over all morning music and singing, music and singing. We're just going to collapse everything into music, okay? So, when I say music, it includes singing with it. Why is it? What are the functions? We're going to look at six functions of music in the church's worship. Why do we do this? Well, here's the first one. First, music is a gift of God's good creation. Music is a gift of God's good creation. Music has a creative, artistic dimension. Uh, God created music and songs to capture and portray his his truth in a beautiful and unique and eloquent fashion. Martin Luther says, quote, I would certainly like to praise music with all my heart as the excellent gift of God, which it is, and to commend it to everyone. I like that. Um, in Job 38, verse 7, music accompanied God in the act of creation. Isn't that a wonderful thing? When God said, let there be light, there was music going on. Um, listen to what job says when god laid the foundations of the universe the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy let there be let there be let there be and in that ex nihilo act of creation heaven is singing and there's a song and there's music Isn't that wonderful what a great thought The artistic value of music helps give beauty to the church's worship. By design, the Lord created man as a musical being. I love music. I listen to all sorts of music every day, all day long, all the time. I always study with Baroque um, I love baroque. It just has that melody that's just so soothing. It's even been proven in studies that it actually lowers blood pressure and it increases babies' IQs while they're sleeping in the nursery. So we've played baroque music for all of our children. That's why they're so smart, right? <laughs> you can't resist to do that. That's, just, that's a bad plug. Um, we know that's what Jared was because Jared. We know Jared's like just off the charts. <laughs> But anyway, the, the Lord created man as a musical being. Um, Oliver Sachs is a clinical neurologist. And he writes this: he says, our auditory systems, our nervous systems are tuned for music. Martin Luther in the Reformation, he points out how philosophers, quote, have labored to explain the marvelous instrument of the human voice. It's such a gift. Um, He continues, he says, philosophers for all their labor cannot find the explanation and baffled they end in perplexity for none of them has yet been able to define or demonstrate the original components of the human voice. He says, they marvel, but they do not understand What a gift God has given to the church. And so we ought to recognize that music is a wonderful, powerful, beautifying gift from the Lord that beautifies the worship of God's church. Second, music joins proclamation to praise. Music joins proclamation to praise. Music not only has an artistic dimension, music has a declarative dimension. Singing praise is a form of declaration or proclamation to others. I want you to listen to Psalm 96, verses 1 to 3. He says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. That's through singing. That's a proclamation. That is a declaration to others. Listen, declare his glory among the nations. How? Through singing. Declare his marvelous works among all the peoples. And so to be sure, the preaching of the the word of God in the church is central to the church's worship. But that does not mean that preaching is the exclusive means by which the church gathered proclaims the truth of God's word to others. The singing of praise to God is a powerful way the church corporately together, unified as one body, is proclaiming and declaring as a means of response God's glory among the nations. It's a very missional act. It is a very evangelistic act for the church to gather and sing the glory of God in his praises so that others who are visiting can see that and witness it and hear Psalm 40, verse 3, he, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And so the, through the church's proclamation of God's excellencies and his glory, people will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. It's an evangelistic, proclamatory, declarative act in the church and so God's story of redemption in the gospel, it can be proclaimed through singing. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter reminds the church, as we saw last week, that the church is a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? So that purpose, you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so proclaiming God's praises through music is one of the ways that the church proclaims the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are proclaiming together as a church. We are telling the story of the gospel through song. And it is a proclamation. Um, Martin Luther says, he says, the gift of language combined with the gift of song was given to human beings to let us know that we should praise God both with word and music, namely by proclaiming the word of God through music. So it is an act of proclamation. Third, music. Joins praise to proclamation. Music is artistic. Music is uh, declarative. It has a proclamation, but musical music also has a vertical dimension. It joins praise to proclamation. Part of worshiping God consists in singing praise to Him. Um, Psalm sixty-six, verses one and two: "Shout for joy to God, straight to Him." All the earth, sing the glory of his name, give to him glorious praise. You see, um, Psalm 135, verse 1, praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. His name is pleasant. His name is good. Sing to him. Sing, singing praise in, includes singing songs directly to God as well as about God, both about His person and His work. So you know what that says about the music team in the church? the so music team listen up. <laughs> uh, the music team is not about entertainment. Do you know why we have our music team behind the Lord's supper table up here, behind the cross and behind the lecterns and behind the pulpit and everything? You know why they stand behind all this stuff? Because it's not about them. The public worship of the church is about the ministry of word and sacrament, the gifts of God for the people of God. It's not about them, they're not here to entertain. Singing for the enjoyment of singing, crowd gathering. I've never, I've, how many times have you walked into a church and they say, okay, band, strike it up? You know, and the band just starts jamming out to gather the crowd together. That's a pointless activity, actually because it's, it's, it's cheapening the gift of music and singing for the purpose for which God has called it to be used in the church. So we don't ever do crowd gathering with the band. That's why we don't do that. It's very intentional. Um, here's another one. The adoption of contemporary music for church growth. We've got to be relevant, so let's, let's be contemporary, right? Let's get rid of the pipe organ and let's get the drums and let's get the guitars because we're going to be relevant to the culture. So we're going to adopt contemporary forms for church growth. Uh, pep rallies for improving church morale. These are all reasons given, but this is not why we sing. The music team's purpose, the purpose of music and singing in the church is to assist the congregation in giving praise to the triune God. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. That's why we do this. Here's the fourth. Music bears the word of God. It has an artistic dimension. It has a proclamation uh, dimension. It has a declarative dimension. And then fourth, music bears the word of God. It it has a praise to vertical dimension, but it has an educational dimension. Music bears the word of God. Music is unique because it can carry words. Have you ever thought about that? L- let me give you an illustration of how powerful that is. I'll give you another one in a minute, but here's a good one that comes from my household. I, I told it prime time today, and we all got a chuckle from it. Catherine has been playing Les Misérables for Stuart in the car as she takes the kids to school. And of course, if you live in Jacksonville, we know that it's 635 square miles, plus living outside of Jacksonville. So about 50,000 miles per three years for the Fonville family in one car for us. So she's in the car for hours upon hours per week. That's her vocation, right? Um, So she's playing Les Miserables for Stuart all the time. Stuart has now, at age three, memorized large Chunks of all the songs to let Miserab. How did he learn those words? He's three. How would he learn those? And he just turned three. So he's a young three. How would he learn those words? Because God has given music a unique capacity to carry words to teach. Very powerful gift. So we get to hear Maskewade <laughs> all the time. He sings it all day long every day <laughs> i kid you not it is so funny mask away mask, away, mask away. it's just really funny um we've, we've got to play something else just to get mask away out of my mind um, but but because words can carry the word of god music and the word of god are closely related God created music to carry the Word of God in a unique fashion. So in addition to sermons and catechism classes that we have, music and singing and corporate worship are one of the powerful ways that believers learn the truths of Scripture. Um, Listen to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 19. He says, Be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. You have to read that in the plural in the Greek. It's all written in the plural to the church. It's not your individual prayer closet. Church, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, when you come together, address one another. How? In psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And so the command here by Paul to be filled with the Holy Spirit is, is followed in verses 19 through 21 with a string of five participles. Now, if you haven't done Greek, you know, English grammar lately, don't worry about participles, but they're there. okay? And what these participles denote in the Greek text is simply the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, significantly, three of these five participles, Paul says, has to do with singing. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the church corporately, guess what it will do together? Sing. It will sing. And so one thing is for sure, a spirit-filled believer in a spirit-filled church sings. They have a song in their heart. And so in addition to this vertical dimension of praise to God and worship, Ephesians, Paul says in chapter 5, we have this, this horizontal dimension. We are singing to one another. When God's gathered guests are assembled like today in corporate worship, they sing and they are speaking God's word to one another. Did you know that? When you sing, you are speaking to your brother or sister in Christ who's next to you. Sometimes when we're singing in church, I won't sing. I'll just close my eyes and listen to everybody else sing and let you encourage me like that. We are singing to each other psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The church in worship not only sings to God, but we sing to one another. This means the church gathers in corporate worship not only to praise God, but to teach each other for mutual edification in the faith. And so music then plays a very vital role in the educational ministry of the church, does it not? It is a powerful way that we inculcate the truth of God's word into the hearts of everyone. Um, J.I. Packer and Gary Parrott, they've written a very good book called Grounded in the Gospel, Packer says it is one of his most significant and most important works he's written at the end of his life. He's now very old and very weak, but he's still writing, thank goodness. But listen to what they say. They're writing a book grounded in the gospel about the importance of coming to catechesis classes, catechism classes, and to be taught in church. And they said, one of the ways that you can come and, 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 have, and be instructed in the church, listen, they say there is one particular catechetical strategy that has the potential to deeply engage our minds, hearts, and bodies, because we're a whole person. We're not just a mind, right? We're not just a body. We're a body-mind. We're, we, are, we are emotional, spiritual beings as well. And so this one particular catechetical strategy has the potential to deeply engage our minds, hearts, and bodies at the same time in a unique way. What is it? The singing of well chosen hymns of the faith. Such singing was often a key feature in the history of catechesis, that's instruction, teaching in the church. Ambrose of Milan wrote congregational hymns to catechize and said of their usage in his church, quote, All therefore have been made teachers who before scarcely were able to be learners. And guess who was present in Ambrose Church to be taught the truth of God's word as the church sang his hymns of faith. Among those who were present, singing the faith, singing the faith under Ambrose's ministry was Augustine. Himself. One of the greatest theologians of the church, Augustine, learned the faith through singing of hymns in Ambrose's church. It's a powerful educational tool. I want to give you another example. Modern Christians in Mozambique, uh, guess how they learn the truths of the Christian faith? They turn sermon notes into songs. Listen, um, a missionary, his name is Greg Kernigan. He reports how a congregation in Nagula uh, responded in a surprising way to his 40-minute teaching of Scripture. So listen to the account that this missionary gives about what happened when he was in Nagula in Mozambique teaching the Scripture. He says, quote, I asked the translator, what were they singing? And his answer was unexpected. This is an oral culture. Few, if any, of these men can read They will compare notes, so to speak, of what you have taught and then pack the teaching into a song that all will learn. Then they can sing this song as they walk along the journey home and after which they will unpack the teaching and give it to their people over the next weeks through song. That's powerful. Since one of the main purposes of music is to rehearse the great truths of Scripture to each other in the church, it is of, pun intended, paramount importance. I had to get that in. It is of paramount importance that the leadership of the church help choose songs that faithfully set forth the orthodox teaching of Scripture, particularly the gospel.
0: Thanks, John. That's a message called Proclaiming the Gospel Through Music, Part 1. We'll hear Part 2 of this message right here next time. The heart of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. With each message, our prayer is you would hear, believe, and enjoy the gospel in your life. If you want to re-listen to or share any of these messages, you can find our smartphone app or locate our podcast by searching for Dr. John Fonville or Him We Proclaim. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to learn more about his local church in Jacksonville, Florida, you can visit ParamountChurch.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.